Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I am your host, Bill Sickens. Joining me, Bill and Gretchen. Welcome to this week's show. Hello. Hello there. So we're plugging along, you know, all of us, life happens in these type of things, and we're recording on a little different day this week. So in studio, they are working on the roof, um, and uh, I heard a dog in the background. So you know what? It's just part of being in the world and working around some of these things. So if you hear some banging on the roof or a dog barking, it is not your imagination. <laughs> but you do not believe how close I came to pounding on the table going, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that would have that would have probably been noticeable a little more than the the roof thing. They do need to fix the roof. And it, normally we record on Wednesday. So everything's set up for that. And this week it just didn't work out. We're recording a day later. So um, all of the stuff that normally wouldn't happen while the show's being recorded is happening. And just, you know, hey, it's life. But just in case you hear something, that's what's going on and why. And we are going to just plug along and do our normal bit with a roof over our head or not. Now, if the roof does cave in, we will pause the recording. <laughs> And I will let you know. <laughs> oh, it would be drama. <laughs> yeah, true. I've heard of the ceiling caving in, but not the whole roof. Although, you know, you never know. In this day and age, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what do we have in the news this week? All right. Apple Vision Pro Black Mirror warning is unlocking a new fear in users. Please explain this. Okay. So this crazy. is kind of a, um, not something I expect experience when I was playing with this thing, but definitely would be a little bit of a bummer. And what it is, is people are walking around with wearing these headsets and the headset has a mode so you can see what's around. It actually works pretty well, I thought, when I was playing with it. But you'll walk into an area that has a Wi-Fi network that's open. This is what the uh, big complaint of this has been, but it's a number of pop-ups. But right in your face, this giant gray screen pops up. And says that uh, you are not connected to the Wi-Fi network. Do you want to use another network or use without internet? This kind of thing. But that is right in your field of view and just kind of stops you in your tracks. So oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> so you become instantly blinded? You, be, you become, in, it feels like you're walking into a wall. What they're comparing this to is actually oh. a Netflix series called Black Mirror. Uh, uh -huh. But it's a real life experience, which is not something I would want. If you've seen the show, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, it just... Think about you're walking along and then all of a sudden something just appears in front of you that you feel like you're going to crash into. That's kind okay. of the effect this is happening. No, doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. No, I think this would not be a lot of fun. I think it's something that they need to fix because this actually could be a, a little bit dangerous, although I still don't think it's a particularly good idea to wear a virtual reality headset while you're just walking around anyway. I mean, even though you can see Agreed. what's around you and it works pretty well for that, um, it's a little unsafe. Yeah. I like my peripheral vision that, that, that tells me a lot. And I wouldn't think you would have that while you're wearing one of those devices. You don't, if something pops up on the screen, no. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, you could have a 360 view. Be weird. Uh, yeah, you know, and I think the, you know, as these, these technologies advances, I think we'll see some more stuff like that. But uh, again, this is consumer level technology. So, you know, there's other stuff out. So is this connected to our next topic? About Apple fans are starting to return their Vision Pros? 
Yeah, not <laughs> primarily for that reason, but that is happening. It seems the honeymoon is already over and less than 14 days, the repair period or the return period being 14 days. And now again, you know, when I tested this out, I didn't have it on for a huge long period and I've used the the Oculus, so I'm um kind of used to wearing a headset like this, but it seems that a lot of people are concerned about the weight and that it's causing headaches mm. and some things like that. And you know, kind of looking at it in hindsight, um, I can see it is heavy. I mean, it, I could see where this could very much become an issue. My big focus was the $3,500 price tag. I wasn't really thinking about the weight at that point. <laughs> yeah, you were thinking about the price weight. <laughs> yeah, the weight on the wallet, you know, it just... Uh, yeah. Um, but the thing of it is, is there's a lot of things that are going on here that would create this kind of a situation in that... Um, when you think about the equipment that's in the headset and the amount of just tech that's kind of squished into this thing to make it work properly and batteries and, and antennas and all the rest of that, um, yeah, they need to be able to miniaturize the technology, I think, a lot before this is something that wouldn't have these type of situations. And for a lot of people, myself included, although I don't seem to have it as much with the headsets as with other things, like a CPAP machine. But when you wear something on your face like that, it can cause headaches. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be what it's doing. And there's even been some people talking about it triggering things like migraines, which I know that's a headache, but it, they're different. And, it's a more um, intense trust, headache, trust more, me. Much more intense headache <laughs> and stuff like that. So it is definitely, um, you know, definitely an issue. And it's something that you want to be concerned about. And there is also a difference between the $400 that the Oculus Quest, the MetaQuest costs, and $3,500. So one, you know, okay, if it doesn't work perfectly, but I, I don't know. I think that the meta one is actually a little bit lighter. I'll look that up and get specific information on that for everybody. But yeah, um, I was able to, I was able to wear the, the meta one um, while playing Beat Saber. You know, I could wear it for probably an hour and I'd be okay. Yeah. And it was fun. I mean, I really miss my device. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, oh, it's been, it's been being cool. repaired. This is uh, for everybody yeah. to know your service update on your device. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the reception of this has been pretty good. I mean, um, there's some of the things. The second most impressive device since the iPhone, and from a technological standpoint, I have to agree with that. It works and it works well. But when you're dealing with a situation that um, you're almost walking into walls because of pop up menus and the problems that people are having with the weight, I yeah. can just see, uh, you know, I can see where that would be a concern because they are expensive. So you want to make sure mm -hmm. that you're at least going to be able to use the thing. So it's a 14 day re return period, just something to keep in mind, because if you do have an issue with this, and I'm starting to see a lot of them pop up on sites like eBay too, for resale. So it does oh seem like um, not everybody's loving. Oh, so somebody missed their return date time. Huh? Yes, and that's exactly the case. Almost, you know, out of box. Oh. Yeah, it's out of box by 15 days. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. All right. U.S. has new intelligence on Russian nuclear capabilities in space. So space. Tell me about this. This has been a topic that's <laughs> yeah. been in the yes. Uh, like pigs in space with the I'm not supposed to say that Russians on the air, but I, I am not space. a fan of the Russians and I have no problem saying yeah, neither that. Neither am I. At least the Russians that are involved in this whole invasion and murder and all that that's going on. So yeah. Um in any not of there's good American Russians out there. It's Russians. not everybody, but it's just no. it's just, you know, <laughs> from that kind of a standpoint. So anyway, that being said, 
What they're referring <laughs> to here is something called the Kessler syndrome, or the Kessler effect, depending on which school of thought you're going into it. But it's a theory that was proposed by NASA scientist Donald Kessler in 1978, and a scenario in which the density of objects in low Earth orbit due to space pollution is numerous enough the collisions between the objects could cause a cascade in which the collision generates space debris and causes other collisions. So in other words, something bangs into something else that bangs into something else and that kind of a thing. Now, a lot of questions have been coming in on this because this has been something that's been in the news. And when you hear about it straight out, it is um, kind of scary. Some things that are, and I'm not downplaying that, it is kind of scary. The system, mm -hmm. as far as I've been able to find out, is not actually in orbit yet. It's something they're developing. So it's not up there now. Um, okay. Now, if someone from the Pentagon has better information, give us a call and we'll put you on the air so you can talk about it. Uh, but yeah, short right. of that, if I hear anything, I will let you know. <laughs> the other thing that I wasn't able to get clear information on is if this is an anti-satellite system or a nuclear system of some sort, and or both, which is certainly possible. But the thing of it is, is that most of our communication worldwide is based on two things now, satellite or cables that run under the ocean. So the internet works, that's how the fast, you know, all that stuff goes on. And the older styles of communication have primarily been retired just because satellite and all of this is so much more efficient. Now, we know that two years ago when the monsters invaded Ukraine, they were searching for communication cables around the United Kingdom and stuff and other parts of the world. So this has definitely been an idea that they have had. And if this goes beyond mm -hmm. Ukraine and becomes World War III, it's very likely that some of these things will start happening. The one thing about it is it is a mutual annihilation thing. If they start attacking one satellite, it's going to take everything out. So it wouldn't just be one country. It would most likely take out satellite communication the whole world? for the whole world. But the, this yeah. poses a number of things. In addition to losing our communication capability, which would be a huge problem, obviously, um, mm -hmm. The other part of it is, is all of this stuff would be in orbit for a long time. So launching a space shuttle or any of those kind of things, you'd basically be blocked until so, it falls out of the atmosphere. And then when it does, the pieces that are big enough could pose a risk when they fall. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was also, don't, um, doesn't modern aviation use a lot of GPS oh. to function? Not just modern aviation, but yes, modern aviation and so that means modern that everything does. Aviation travel could be, yeah, unless I mean, you're using an old plane. You're dealing well, and even with an old plane, what you're dealing with is navigation, in the mm -hmm. sense of yeah. you know getting from point A to point B, and automated pilot Not running into controls and even manual pilot yeah. uses these things to be uh, able to, to get through. So if all of that stopped working, one of the things that when you have a war environment that they prepare for is what they call a GPS uh, denied environment. And that's where the enemy is jamming the GPS signal. So it won't work because a lot of military devices use this kind of stuff too. And mm -hmm. this uh, situation, you know, that's just one standpoint, but it would also knock out the, the internet pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, so all basic human communication, then all uh, a lot of the commerce would be screwed up because don't a lot of the big, uh, ocean ships use GPS for navigating now? Well, yeah, a lot of that. But the, even the smaller business, think about it. A credit card yeah. reader today, you, you don't have landline phones anymore. All of that is IP-based for the most part, which uses at some point satellites or you know cable communication, that type of a thing. But walking in, it would probably knock out the power. But assuming that it didn't, 
you walk into a store and want to run your credit card. Well, the credit card reader is not going to work. You know, all of that kind of stuff. You go to the bank to withdraw money. The bank's not going to work because the computers don't work. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. So it's it has this massive thing. effect of which G- GPS is a part of it. But mm-hmm. it's a lot more than that. So, you know. It, it would it, set us uh, back decades. Yeah. And the problem yeah. about being set back decades is we don't have the old technology working anymore to rely on. Because, and a lot of the uh, people you know, that understood it are either yeah. retired or gone, you know? Yeah. I also remember that when we, the three of us drove out a number of years ago to uh, from Reno to Salt Lake City, and along Interstate 80, there is all of these derelict phone lines and uh, brick mm-hmm. buildings that are half flooded. Well, that was the telephone exchange. None of that works anymore, of course. And to try to get something like that back online would be a, a monumentous task mm-hmm. if yeah. you had to do it. But anyway, so this is what's going on there. I'm sure that these things will be reported on. Um, we will certainly watch it ourselves too. But it is definitely a concern. And again, something like this is a big deal because we rely for our modern lives so much on communication capability, whether it's GPS or phones or digital data or whatever, that something like this would Bill, as you say, you know, put us back, I don't know, into the Stone Age, but it would certainly uh, uh, be... Dark Age? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it my turn? I think it's your turn. Okay. (laughs) Google confirms serious AI risks for iPhone and Android users. Yeah, so this is an interesting... There's a lot of research being done on generative AI just because this has kind of come onto the scene so recently within the last year and is growing. And we're seeing a lot of very positive things that are being generated by this, but there's a lot of concerns out there too. And one of them is this idea that there is this feeling that, uh, you know, we all know, we all should know. and, And abide by most of the time you know if you get a suspicious email don't open it if you have all of these different type of things for some reason when people sit down and chat with the ai bot they seem to forget all of the security protocols and they're just uh, sharing whatever they're asking for well you know from one standpoint it's fine as long as everything's legit but you don't know what's going on and one thing that i think is very important and this isn't just ai is to realize that all of this stuff is being saved because it's how they train the AI. So if, if part of it, so if you are talking to ChatGPT and you ask a question and it answers it for you, that interaction's being saved somewhere. It's not private. And you absolutely don't want to think it's private. So if you have an quote AI asking you, you know, something like this is actually a true story. I'm, I'm not making this up. A free order of fries at Wendy's, just give us your social security number. But it was doing it in a way that it seemed like it was legitimate. So no, if you if someone wants your social security number for free fries, that is not something you should do. Oh, but uh, you know, that being kind of a, a real obvious one. But the thing of it is, is it's important to consider keeping your private information private. And there's some tricks yeah. out there too, because it's not just like I say, it's not just chatting with a chatbot. Like I, I don't think people realize this, but if you go on to social media, most of the sites and you type in something to post, and then you back it out and don't post it, they still saved what you typed, even though you didn't submit it. So every yeah. character that you're typing into the box is saved. It may not go publicly on your on your thing, on your feed, 
but it is still that Facebook or whatever has that information and saves it. And none of that is private. And it is in, as far as I know, most of the end user license agreements where it talks about this, that, you know, very few people actually read. So at the end of the day, it's just important to consider when you're dealing with AI, whatever that may be, that you still don't want to share private information. You still don't want to put down the shields and use the same concern you would if some random person called you up on the phone asking for information or you got an unsolicited email or any of the rest of that. It's good to just practice, you know, safe internet. I, I'm not sure if that's a term. We'll make it one here on user-friendly. <laughs> All right. Marvel's The Fantastic Four lands its cast. Pedro Pascal, Vanessa Kirby, Joseph Quinn, and I'm sorry, even Moss Backratch. I'm sorry, dude, if I'm saying your name wrong. So uh, yes, <laughs> those uh, are the people who are <laughs> slated to, for the big parts. <laughs> so Mando's going to the Marvel Universe. Isn't the Star Wars Universe upset about that? Nah. I mean, I could see Mando doing well on, in Marvel. No, no, no. He needs to be versatile so he can survive. It's the way. Yes, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, that is the Fantastic Four cast that's coming up for the four main characters. And that sounds, I think, I don't know. I think it's going to be really cool. Looking at that, I, I think they might have a, a pretty good thing on their hands here. Now, obviously, how the movie is made and all the rest of that will play into this. But yeah. all of these people Writing. seem to be able to pull off those roles well, I think. Mm. You know? So, uh, anyway, so it'll be cool when this is released. I can't wait to see it. I still think Batman needs a Mr. Is Freeze this, movie. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I agree with you on that completely now. Isn't this like the third or fourth version of the Fantastic Four that's been out? Gotta be at I least the third. It's, it's at least, at the, least third. the third. Yeah, I don't know. It could be the fourth. And, mm -hmm. um, and I, I, there wasn't a lot of information. I know that it's, uh, uh, they're, they're talking about like, you know, another universe reboot type of thing, but it didn't talk about specifically, uh, okay. Where all that is. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Marvel's kind of coming up with a lot of stuff. This one's, I think, I believe is 2025. The next one they're coming okay. out, Deadpool and Wolverine, uh, which will be in July of this year, which is going to be interesting. And then there's two more Deadpool movies coming up after that. So it's like, cool. you know, it's interesting to see where it is. But uh, but yeah, so we'll have to see where they end up going with this. But this is just an announcement that was made this week and kind of uh, one that I think caught our eye because it does look like it's going to be a decent cast. So hopefully the movie will go along with that. And Marvel does have a reputation of usually, not always, creating good movies. So we'll see, you know, we'll see where this goes. And your your Batman wish falls under the DC category. Yeah, the DC so. universe seems to be the, the opposite. Maker. They, they make good television shows, but their movies are, <laughs> you know. So uh, well, maybe maybe they'll they, they'll pump it up and they'll make one with a really cool bad guy. I think so. If they did a Mister Freeze Batman, that would restore the entire franchise, as far as I'm concerned. I completely agree. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there you are. I think we <laughs> want to see Mister Freeze. <laughs> yes. Well, apparently United grounds new planes over no smoking sign. Okay, and I do have to footnote that unlike Boeing, this no smoking signs did not come apart mid-flight. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. Those were support smoking signs. They were yes. holding the plane together. They were holding the plane together. My goodness, you know, it just these things are kind of scary. Just a little aside on that tangent is it looks like. 
when that was worked on, they failed to even put the bolts back in the door. At least that's what they're finding now. So, um, you know, I don't know. It just, I think I want a personal jetpack that I know how it works, but what's going on with the United uh, thing here is they have brand new Airbus, uh, A321 Neo planes, which actually seem to have a very good safety record. But the problem is, and this is where you have to have your laws keep up with tech is there's a regulation that goes back to 1990 that says that the crew must be able to manually turn the you know, smoking sign on and off. Actually, I think it says they have to do that. Well, the software in the plane does it for them. There's not a switch. And that makes the plane not something that can be certified by the FAA. <laughs> so they have actually had to ground these planes. Now, this is a common occurrence because software is used to run the signs. And usually the airlines apply for a like a variance. I think there's another word for it to be able to mm-hmm. deal with this. and they're usually granted it or have in the past, but these planes are so new that they don't fall under their previous exemption. So here they are now having to ground planes because the sign doesn't have a manual control. And this is, I think 25 years ago, maybe more that smoking was completely banned on all domestic and international flights. I mean, it's been a long time. So it does seem like it's time to maybe update the law to work with our modern equipment, you know? <laughs> yep. Oh, hey, toothbrush hacking turns out to be a hoax. Yeah, and we got caught on this too. We were we reported on this last week. Yeah. So, you know, these kind of things. I thought about this after the fact a little bit too, and uh, Bill found this. But I, I was thinking, you know, the toothbrushes in the story are Bluetooth. They're not Wi-Fi. Now, you could do this with <laughs> Wi-Fi. In fact, these botnet things with hijacked Wi-Fi devices is a thing. But the electric toothbrushes are Bluetooth, and that creates a problem. So in doing a little bit of a, of digging on this here, this originally came from a company uh, that's headquartered in California that's calling the article a translation problem. It came from um, Swiss representatives, and then they're saying that they translated it and somehow they got the story to say this when it meant something completely different. I'm not quite sure I buy that explanation. In fact, I'm quite sure I don't. But yeah. that's where that has. So rest assured, if you have a smart toothbrush, I'm still not sure why I'd need one of these. But if you have a smart toothbrush, it is not going to attack you as part of a botneck if it is Bluetooth. Now, Wi-Fi devices, on the other hand, I don't know. I feel a little suspicious of that. Maybe not. But we do want to keep an eye on things. But yeah, this is definitely something we wanted to follow up on this. I guess this would be like a retraction sort of. But yeah, the information that was put out there was absolutely incorrect. And it is not the case, at least with the Bluetooth toothbrushes. (laughs) I mean, it it is a thing that's pointed out. You know, you have Wi-Fi toasters and Wi-Fi fridges, which could do this. Yeah. You know, and those type of things are, are legit. And. You know, if you have a $400 toaster, make sure you, because that's about what those cost. Um, I'm still not sure what you do with a Wi-Fi toaster because you have to put the bread in it. But anyway, it's not like you can automate it, really. Uh, but uh, anyway, it so just keep an eye on bread. things. And, yeah, and there you are, you know. All right, we'll be back <laughs> at the, after the break. We're going to talk about how to buy a computer. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Have you seen him? He's from the
Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Check out our website. It is your one stop for everything User-Friendly 2.0. Userfriendly.show is the, is the URL. Check it out. You can submit your questions and comments there. Get onto our social media, read our articles. We're finally having new articles. So that actually did happen. <laughs> Gretchen, I, I know you and I have been kind of uh, working on that and finally have circled back. So uh, we're going to be talking about VR and yeah. some of our Tech Wednesday stuff here pretty soon. And also the uh, George Gershwin uh, recital that we got mm-hmm. to go to. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about that, actually. So it'll be kind of cool to see some more detail. on And uh, yeah, just, cool. just some fun stuff. But yeah. You can check everything out there. And if you miss a show, you can play it. All the podcasts are there, all of our past seasons, just everything. Let us know what you think, userfriendly.show. So from that question that comes in actually quite a lot, and one that we wanted to have a little time to focus on is the idea of buying a new computer because this has changed a lot in recent years. And what was the thing that you would do not so long ago may or may not be the case. Now, one of the other questions that's asked is why is there such a big price difference? You can go down and you can find some stuff that is a couple hundred dollars and appears to do the same thing as some stuff that is a couple thousand dollars. So, you know, this plays into it. There are differences and you probably don't need to spend as much money as you might think. Now, one thing that will always make the price higher is if it has the word Apple in it. It seems like, uh, (laughs) you know, Apple makes good equipment. I have no fight with that, but they definitely charge a premium for their stuff. So if you get an iPad or a MacBook or something, any of that stuff is going to cost more than an equivalent PC version that's out there. And pretty much that's the case. Now, I do have to say they do take care of you. A few years ago, I had a, a, what was it? A Mac, it was like a desktop Mac, whatever those are called. I'm not a huge Mac person, so I don't know, but I had one that I was using and it had a problem and it was like 10 years old at the time. I was able to go into the Apple store and they took care of it. They didn't even charge me to repair it. So, yeah, really? they, I mean, their service. I, I remember the machine. Yeah, yeah. their service, their service you, was you, great. You, you had specifically gotten it because you were doing either um, Apple applications or. Um, or for the phone. Yeah, it was an iPhone and app, you were which test- an using Apple application. But yeah. yeah. And that's that's why we had yeah. it. It was easier to build on the Mac. And, and the machine was, you know, very self-contained, but it died on me. And I, I think if we had required parts or something, I would have obviously had to pay for that. But I went there and they had a thing called a Genius Bar and took it back. And, you know, I felt like I was walking in with an anchor. I mean, the thing was really old compared to what they were selling at the time. And he looks at it and we get to <laughs> talking a little bit and he plugs it in and need to save anything on it no because it doesn't start so i don't have anything on it uh, okay so uh, they did whatever they did and it worked perfectly the rest of the time i had it so wow you know, so i do have to say there is a certain amount of customer service that is something that you would consider and apple at least from my experience does seem to do it well but that's one thing to just be prepared if you're going to buy something in the apple ecosystem it will most likely cost more than the equivalent and it's just because there is a premium. But that being said, if you look at other types of computers, Windows desktops, Android, uh, Chromebooks, these kind of things, there is a huge price difference. And what you need to consider really is what you're going to do with the computer. And where a lot of cost comes into this is if you're using gamer machines. Now, Bill, you can kind of speak to this because, you know, graphic cards and stuff, you're, you're looking at a premium there if you need all that, right? 
Oh yeah, most of your price becomes your CPU and your graphics card. I mean, motherboards and stuff are cheap. And yeah, you start going for forty eighty Ti's and stuff, and you know they're two three thousand dollars on their own. Yeah, I was going to make that comment when I bought my desktop. The graphics card was actually more than the rest of the computer. Um, yeah. by like five hundred dollars. So, wow. and it was just because of that. Because you're dealing with, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely one something to consider. Now, if you're going to be playing games, you might need that kind of a system, and then you do want to budget for it, and you know, look at what you're getting. But if you're like the majority of computer users, which is browsing the internet, maybe doing some bookkeeping, sending, receiving emails, maybe watching a video here and there, you don't need any of that. You really don't. And you can buy a machine that's going to be under $1,000 that will deal with what you needed to deal with just fine and keep the rest of the money in your pocket. Now, another question that comes up here too, and actually some questions that we've actually got received a few of, is do they still make desktop computers? Now, the answer to that is yes. Laptops are definitely more popular just because they're portable. But there is still a lot of use for desktop computers, and they do exist. And desktops do tend to cost less than a laptop just because of the form factor and the monitor's not built in. Although if you consider the price with having to buy all of that, there isn't that big of a difference anymore. But they used to be a lot cheaper. Now they're maybe a little bit cheaper. But again, it depends on what you're doing. One of the things I know, I, I have both because I need both. But one of the things personally, having the desktop computer is there's more space in it. So as I need to deal with stuff, it's easier to get into it upgrade things, you know, but that's a specific use that I have. Uh, most people that buy a computer. And not everybody opens their that's computer. That's right. Most people that buy a computer you know don't I mean? want to see yeah. the inside of it. And, uh, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> it's something to consider. Laptops are also more delicate. And number one, they're portable. So dropping them is a thing a lot more than with a desktop. So it's another thing to consider on that type of thing. But what you really want to do is determine your needs because that is the first thing that that you need to deal with and then set a budget based on that. So in other words, one of the things that I am guilty of this is walking in and going, okay, I need a new computer. Ooh, that one has fancy lights. Uh, okay. Well, it's $10,000 and not as good as this one over here, but yeah, it has fancy lights. Let me tell you, I have learned the lesson. I can buy those fancy lights off Amazon for about 20 bucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's uh, some of the, the premium brands like Alienware, which is what I'm poking fun at here, but others have a lot of these different type of things that are optics and kind of eye candy that have absolutely nothing to do with the capability of the machine itself. Although having an alien head built into the back of your screen, right? <laughs> anyway, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's cool, but you know, one of the thing, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I really look for whether it's a um, desktop or a laptop is the screen. Mm -hmm. If the screen isn't clear and easy to look at, um, then I don't want anything to do with it. And screens, yeah. good screens have come down in price a lot. You can get a 32 inch 4k Samsung monitor for like $400 now and for a good one. And you can get smaller mm -hmm. ones for a lot less money. The monitors used to be really expensive. Not that $400 is just, you know, a drop in the pan, but Compared to the way the pricing used to be on that, a lot of these, just like televisions, there's OLED and regular LED and these things that uh, deal with the clarity and the Christmas. Uh, Christmas, there we go. It's ready for it. I think already Christmas. 
of <laughs> of a screen <laughs> is important. <laughs> now, if you're buying a laptop where the screen's built in, you got to take that into consideration at the time you're buying the desktop. You could conceivably replace yep. the monitor later if you needed to. And, you know, this is actually another thing to consider because there are actually four types of computers if you want to divide them up now. Or desktops and laptops like we've been talking about. But another one is an all-in-one. This is like what the Mac desktops are. Dell makes a version of this that a lot of people really like. And I think in the right environment, they're cool. And basically what it is, is you have your screen and that's the whole computer. There isn't a separate box to it. Yeah. Now, yeah, my mom has one of those. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're her, really cool. is a touch screen and everything like that. Good, clear screen. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and they work well. It's really cool. So if you are doing something where you know that you're just going to buy a machine, it's going to sit on your desk. These usually cost less than laptops, dollar for dollar. And you're not going to need to do a bunch of upgrades and stuff. That might be a perfect solution. You just put it there. They also are a huge space saver because you don't have all these other components, yeah. you know? Yeah. But if you are, you know, one, one thing about them is that they're, they're beautiful. Um, they, they keep the desk real clean, but it's really hard to get to the USB port. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're tucked away in the back and I'm like doing all kinds of crazy things to get into the USB port. And then I'm thinking, Oh no, I'm going to damage the screen. So that is something to think about. Yeah. And these, these are the, and kind of where I was going with that is if you do need to make changes or a bunch of upgrades, this would not be for you because of what you're saying. The ports are usually kind of hard to get by. A lot of people will buy a USB hub and plug it in, but now you've lost the sleekness of an all-in-one machine because you've got this additional piece, you know, so considering those type of things, it's not just the USB ports. Uh, most all-in-ones, you can add a second monitor, but that port's in the back, you know, where you plug in your keyboard and mouse if it's not wireless, all that kind of stuff. So again, this is the type of thing I've got my desk. A lot of businesses use these because they buy it for a specific purpose. It just is put on the desk of the person that's going to use it. And that's where it will live until it becomes obsolete. And for that, it's great. For me, it wouldn't be because of the fact that uh, Bill, like you, I like to tinker and change things and stuff. And that wouldn't be, you know, the device for, for doing that. Yeah. And finally, you know, the other classification of this is tablets. And for a lot of people, a Chromebook, which is kind of like a laptop, tablet hybrid I, no, I mean these if you're just checking email and stuff like that would would you consider that to be a good solution yeah i had to look at that actually for my parents recently um they were wanting something that they could read books on read maps for travel and uh watch movies so i had to think about okay well how is this going to work and what do they really need and it really was a toss-up between a tablet and a laptop, and I decided on the laptop for them because they understood it better. Right. But, yeah, you know, for me, and I that's mean, actually yeah. The tablet, you know, I my thing of it is, is I like everything about a tablet. They're light. They tend to be, you charge them. The battery goes for a lot longer than some other things, certainly a laptop battery. But is the lack of a keyboard. I am not a big fan of typing on a touchscreen. Now, there yeah, are people in this it. world that can do that and do it perfectly and more power to you. I'm I, I'm envious, but I am not one of those people. I like a keyboard, you know? Me too. Same. Maybe so, it's the writer in me. <laughs> you know? Now, that being said, you can get a Bluetooth keyboard that'll pair with a tablet. So, the, so you know, that's an option. Of course, now you have to carry two devices. But, uh, 
but it, it doesn't so, rule it out, but they're generally not built in. It's not as bad as, uh, what is it? One of the, uh, Wacom tablets now that's to- a 22 inch monitor. That's a graphics tablet, <laughs> which means you draw on it. And that thing, you know, think about a tablet that big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I, 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 I'd be curious about the battery time on something like that because you're running a huge screen. Well, they're good. Yeah. They're actually put a lot of time into them. Um, you're getting at least 10, 12 hours out of them now. So it's, it's, you know, it's cool to see where that's going. And, you know, and it's interesting because the specifications on these things, this is similar to what it's been for a long time. I mean, your, your core is your processor and there's a lot of different things and doing some research on that, talking power consumption, some are better than others, but some are a lot faster than others. And Intel and AMD are still the primary manufacturers of these. There's others. Um, and you'll see things like i5, i7, and then multiple cores and all this stuff. The best thing on something like that is to figure out what you're going to do and then look online because there's a lot of places where you can see what all of that means and what you really do or don't need. The more speed, the more cores, the higher the number tend to cost more and use more power. So again, you know, it's based on where you're dealing with. And then the second one, which I found in a lot of cases, the first one is your memory, not your hard drive, but your actual RAM memory. And it's amazing to see when I first started in computers, I remember I had one megabit of RAM on my 286 and that was an upgrade. Ooh, Ooh that's dating myself a little bit here, but yeah, it was just, you know, <laughs> it was a big deal to have this extended memory. Oh, yeah. You had to have special software to access it from DOS. I mean, it was just something. And now yeah. the recommendation is at least eight gigabytes of RAM on my Alienware. <laughs> I have 128. Now I will tell you that's an overkill because for the most part, 64 gig is about as much as, most software will be able to even address and really work with. The rest of it is not really used except for specific things. I do some stuff with CAD to where it is, but even with gaming and build, please tell me if I'm sticking my foot in my mouth here, but for something like a cyberpunk or some of these more powerful, power hungry games, I don't think you would need 128 gigs of RAM. Would you? No, it'd be nice to have the extra leeway, but I think 64 is about really where you're setting. Like you say, yeah, and if you're just browsing the internet, eight sixteen would be you know that kind of a thing. It's it's you know what you're dealing with. The other one that's different, and anybody that's bought computers more than about ten years ago would have experience with this. Is we're getting into the newer stuff, is your storage devices, and there's a lot of cloud storage and all that kind of thing. But um, there's still a hard drive like our classic hard drive, and then there's SSDs, which are solid state drives. Which the biggest difference between the two, it used to be cost, although the prices are getting a lot less on the SSDs now is they tend to be a lot faster and there's no mechanical parts. So you don't have the noise, you don't have the heat and that kind of a thing. Well, so, the heat can still be there. Yeah. Have you, have you run but, into that? I, well, my M2s, which are solid states, they are on their own coolers. They have their own, uh, passive coolers on them. Oh, so there's like a heat sink on the drive. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. part of That's the motherboard. Yeah. <laughs> And I can see where, where they would be going with that, especially if you do have heat. I, I look at it from a standpoint on my laptop. I certainly wanted solid state. My desktop, I've got a solid state boot drive, but I needed a 15 terabyte storage drive. So that's a mechanical drive. And then I also have something called a network attached storage device, which is for backups and stuff. And I run that on a mechanical drive just because the connection to the network, the solid state would have been faster, but the device itself wasn't capable of using it. So mm-hmm. I figured, you know, I'd save the money on that and just get bigger drives. But um, 
I, I don't know. I recommend solid state. I think for most, it is definitely going to be faster and have higher performance. It still costs a little bit more, but not like it did before. And Bill, you were just talking about this, but the graphics card is the next thing on the list. And this is something where you can spend a crazy amount of money if you want to. <laughs> yeah, the prices have come down since crypto went out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, my video card back when I bought it cost more than everything else in my system. Wow. Same here. And the thing of it is about graphic cards is think of this as a 10,000 foot view. The graphic card is almost a second computer. Oh, it's yeah. plugged into your primary computer that handles the task. So if you're gaming or doing CAD or some of these other graphic heavy things, the graphic card is actually doing more work than the rest of the computer. And that's part of the reason why there's so much cost to this because it contains its own memory. It contains its own processors, its own cooling, all of that kind of stuff. A lot of them have a separate port into the power supply. It just depends on what that is. So you're dealing with that. And what Bill was just talking about with crypto where that sounds weird. Well, what they were doing because the computing capability of a graphics card in a lot of cases is more than the main computer and crypto mining uses a lot of computing capability. They were actually buying graphic cards and repurposing them as the processor because it worked faster. Mm -hmm. And that created a shortage of graphic cards, which really shot the cost up. And is also why you really don't want to buy these used right now because they get really um, knackered to use the British term when they're used for this. And then they get dumped on the sites like eBay and stuff and don't work the way they're supposed to. So it's one part that's expensive. You don't really want it used unless you know the background of it and there's a warranty. And I'm I'm still not sure I'd want one used and you're, could spend a lot of money. Now, if you're not using graphic intensive stuff, most computers have built in graphic capability to some extent, which is good enough for web browsing, email, and normal, and even running videos. You don't need a high-end graphic card really for that. You can even go 4K without a $3,000 graphic card and it will work just fine as long as the rest of the computer is you know, set up for it. And then finally is ports and connectivity. And Gretchen, you were talking about this with the all-in-one, you know, having a hard time to get to it. I have, I think, 28 USB devices on my desktop machine. So my uh, Alienware, what I ended up doing was getting USB 3 or USB-C now hubs that are really good and, and not like knockoffs, but actually ones that work. And then attaching that into the USB C bus. And that's how I make that work. And then figuring out which devices require more power because you can attach a lot of smaller things like a printer and a keyboard and all that into one USB hub, but like a streaming video camera at 4k is going to take a lot more bandwidth and therefore requires a better connection. So, you know, something to think about uh, is definitely that a lot of keyboards and mice are wireless now. So the port, most computers actually don't come with a dedicated keyboard port anymore. And if they do, it's USB anyway. Yeah. So, you know, that's something to think about it. Ethernet. Now, this is another thing that is important to think about because not all Ethernet cards are the same. They really aren't. Yeah. And networking has changed a lot. 10 gigabit networks are now something that you're starting to see on some home systems and a lot of businesses. And older um, networking Ethernet cards simply don't support it. It'll be one gigabit max, which means that your actual throughput is about a two thirds of that, which is always a good rule of thumb. And actually, for me, it got to a point with some of the new Wi-Fi. I've got a a Wi-Fi 6E network now, mesh network, that the Wi-Fi was faster than the Ethernet. It actually, I have more throughput 
and less leg on Wi-Fi than I did on the hardwired lines, which is weird to think, but that is the case. So you do want to look oh, yeah. at both of these things to make sure that what's in, what's integrated into it is not something that is old and obsolete. And anything you buy now probably should have Wi-Fi six at least. I would I would recommend if it's new. Yeah, just to sure. deal with all that, you know. I know mine. I, know, I have an down, external antenna on mine. So it's yeah, running and, that. and and that's certainly an option. You can upgrade it, but it's again another device, another USB port that you have to use, and all that kind of stuff to do it. But that is, if you have an existing machine, you don't need to replace it because of the wireless card. That's how you would upgrade. It, and well, works I mean, just yeah. fine. I just mean my motherboard's high enough quality that it came with its own antenna. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. That's something to definitely look at. So brands and models, we were poking fun at Alienware a little bit, but Bill, I know you built your own machine. Yeah. At least I think you did. Yeah. And, and that, so that that would be your preference for your setup? I, because I went to school for it and I knew what I wanted after a little bit of research and I have the experience to do it. Yeah. I built my own. Um, I built it when COVID started. So I kind of ran into some problems and I didn't get exactly the parts I wanted, but they all worked out in the end. Yeah. And just, you know, that's something to consider is there is a certain amount of skill required to do that. And the other side of it too, is depending on what you're doing for most computer users, you know, you buy something that's pre-made so you don't have to deal with that. But the other thing is, is the guarantee and warranty. And this is another side of things. Gretchen, I know you've uh, had some difficulties with your laptop. You've got a oh. nice Dell laptop, but we've had a lot of problems. A lot of weird problems. Problems I've never Dell's really followed before. What? Yeah, Dell's. Yeah, it's too bad because it's a good brand, or at least it was. It was a but... beautiful machine, but there are, there's some things that you know Dell had this really cool thing where oh you you just they they go through and do an update for you and all that and which is nice. Um, except on my machine, uh, it would end up erasing everything. Oof. Yeah. And- and this is one thing you want to you want to watch for. And Gretchen, you're not alone in that. I my uh, Alienware is made by Dell. It has been for a long time. It wasn't always, but it has been for a long time. And my desktop, um, the one that I had before this one, they actually replaced under warranty, which is kind of where I'm going with this. Be- why warranties are important because it was the same type of thing. If you ran a BIOS update, and it was a weird thing with that one, it, and it was not just mine. It was that model. It was a defect. That if you change the memory in the computer, anything other than what it came with originally, and then ran a BIOS update, it just simply wouldn't ever boot again. There was no way to put it back. And the only way to get back into it was to take out the upgraded memory and put in the original memory stick. Then it would boot again. And I had on-site support. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I had on-site support. and And the poor gentleman had to come out three times. And then they finally replaced it with a new model because they couldn't fix it. You see, when they yeah. send the updates, it would erase everything. I mean, uh, all my software and everything would, and, and my data would be gone. Oh, I can see where yeah. that would be a bad day. That's, it was a bad day. That's Especially not when you're oh. a writer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, and, you know, it's so important to back up and all that, but you shouldn't have that kind of problem. So the question that this kind of goes into is, is, is it worth it buying the extended warranty? And this is something you want to do your research on. But certainly for something like a laptop, which is going to be really expensive to fix if anything goes wrong, I think it's probably worthwhile. Now, one thing I will tell you is that you look at your 
warranty situation in general, because a lot of times if you have something like a home warranty, there is an option to cover all of your electronics under that, usually an upgrade, but that upgrade costs less than the extended warranty on one computer many times. And now all your televisions, your phones or whatever are covered and you want to read all of this, of course, but it makes it, uh, you know, where it might be more affordable to do it that way than to do it with the manufacturer. But certainly, and then there's different kinds of warranties too. There's ones where if it just stops working, there's the other one for especially portable devices, it costs a little more, but if you drop it, it will still cover the repair, you know, and that kind of a thing. So it's, you know, something that you want to consider. Phones is a, for example, the basic warranty. If you drop it and break the screen, you're not going to fix it. You would have to pay for that. But if you buy the insurance for if it breaks, that's the case there. So you know, this is a very 10,000 foot view explanation. I understand that we've got to stay in our time, but send us your questions. And if there's anything specific that you want to know about this, or if you're thinking about buying a computer and, or if you have and have had a good or a bad experience, let us know. We want to talk about it and we want to see how this is working in the real world and how this has changed. Until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 20. 20- 13 to 2024 by User-Friendly Media Group Incorporated. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed on the show are those of the hosts and guests and not this radio station. Please check out userfriendly.show for airtimes and podcasts.